All right, welcome to a special bonus episode of Seize the Moment podcast. And today we're going to be talking about outside of the box thinking. And I guess what is out of the box thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so the reason why <laughs> the reason why we came up with the idea for the episode was so uh, I got to for the first time see Moneyball, the film based on the I think the author's name is Michael Weston. So the book, the film based on the Michael Weston book. That's the one with Brad Pitt and yes, Jonah Hill, and, right? jo- and Jonah That's Hill. That's how I know them. Right. I never saw the movie, mm-hmm. but Leon saw the movie. So I loved the movie, and I thought it was like literally like one of the best things I've ever seen. So what was so cool about the movie for me was that like you had these two people, and then the Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill characters, obviously, who um, ended up kind of formulating a plan for success that was outside of the norm of what was going on in baseball at the time. So for the Yankees, right, kind of for you guys who already know, the Yankees are like sort of the evil empire because they literally have the highest solar salary in the entire league. And they've had pretty much, this has been the case for ages. I don't know, for the past like 100 years, if not more. They could get the best players. Yeah. So pretty much. Pay them as much as yeah. they need to to keep them there. Right. So they pretty much they pretty much splurge and kind of just throw their money around because like they can and they win games because they do that, right? That's why they have like 28, no, 27 championships. Mm-hmm. So what was so cool about the movie is that in the beginning, Brad Pitt was like, so the general manager, I forgot his name. It was. Jonah Hill? No. <laughs> It was Billy something shit. Billy Bean, Billy Bean. Yeah, so Billy Bean in the beginning of the film was super pissed off because he was like, yo, this is like really unfair, right? So very akin to kind of us as children, right? When we kind of find out that maybe we won't make it to the NBA or maybe we won't play baseball or whatever it is, right? We're like, oh, life is so unfair. Why is it that these people were born with these particular skills and we weren't, right? Seems like so like really screwed up. And so in the film, right, at first he kind of threw a tantrum and he huffed and puffed and he's like, I hate this, right? Like, why did I even like take this job? He didn't say that, but that was like, it seemed like that was the thing. Right. It's, it's unfair, right? I mean, you're, you're dealing with someone as big as the Yankees. You're, if, if you're not even starting up, but you're trying to compete on the same playing field. Right. I mean, how are you going to do that when they have the amount of resources that they do? Right. What, what, what do you have to think of to do? in order to combat that. And that's what this guy was struggling with, right. I'm imagining. Right, right, right. So um, so in the film, right, he goes like to these different like clubhouses to trade. Like, um, So they pretty much lose three major players, two of whom were John D. Damon and Jason Gialdi. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of goes around the league looking for players to replace them, right? So what he finds is that most general managers, I think even all of them, weren't willing to trade him anyone, right? They're like, ah, we don't want to give these players up because they're really good for us. So eventually he runs into Jonah Hill's character. And so he asks him, he says like, hey, like you said something in that room and that guy listened to you. What did you say? And Jonah Hill's like, what? No, I didn't say anything. He's like, no, 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 you said something. And he's like, oh, well, like I just told him that we should keep this player. He's like, why? And so then Jonah Hill kind of goes forth and gives his philosophy. And he's like, okay, so this is why, to me, this is a valuable player. Mm. So, I mean, not to get too much into the movie, because I don't think the movie itself, or, I mean, look, I love the movie, but I don't think, like, the baseball aspect itself is that important. But what they kind of find out is that what mattered most about winning games, right, was actually getting on base. And that was something that was completely overlooked by, let's say, general managers at the time. So what they looked for were pretty much were baseball players who were getting RBIs, meaning that they were pretty much putting people in scoring position, and then obviously people who were scoring home runs and even like defenders, right? So the problem with that was that they were like missing out on focusing on all of these different people who were pretty much able to get on base. Right. And then the other part of the, like this is part of the book, not part of the movie. And by the way, I haven't read the book. So this is when uh, Michael, I hope his name is Michael West. And I'm going to feel really stupid if it isn't. Okay. We could just look it up. Okay. If we had a Jamie. (laughs) I know. So he was on the Tim Ferriss show and he was talking about it. 
right? So he said like when he was doing his research, he found that like there was a bias in baseball. So people were essentially looking for, when they were looking for players, they were looking for like the stats and also the look, mm-hmm. right? So, and by the way, and sometimes they were also just basing the stats on the look. So if let's say you were like the six foot, like two chiseled player, right? Strong jawline, um, let's say kind of um, seeming at least good hand-eye coordination, right? I don't even remember if that was a part of that. But the point of that was- Just describing yourself. (laughs) You're hilarious. So if you were, if you, that's hilarious. So if you were literally like, if you were going to, if you were going to look at a baseball player, right, what you were doing was you were, you were pretty much inferring particular characteristics from the book, mm. right? So what he found was that when people were looking at, when scouts, right, when they would kind of go and they would look for players, what they found was that like, oh, like these players were probably good, right? Based on all of these different like external characteristics. So what he found was that pretty much what these scouts were missing, right, was the players who were shorter, the players who were more overweight, right, um, the players who may have seemed kind of clumpy or not clumpy, what's the word, um, kind of clumsy, right, mm-hmm. and they seemed kind of just like off, right, in terms of their physique and appearance, but the thing was a lot of them were actually good players, mm-hmm. so there was a bias in baseball where they pretty much went for like high stats, obviously, and then also the look, so the problem with that was is that there were all of these different people who were either undersigned and underutilized and or just they weren't in the league at all, right, but they could play, Maybe they performed well in the minors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point was, was that like in the in the film, just like as in the book, what Brad Pitt figured out was like here all of the here is all of this untapped potential, right? Here's all of this untapped talent. And the thing is, like even though that we can't use the type of salary that the let's say the Yankees or the Red Sox have, what we can do is actually adapt, right? So rather than thinking of it like as oh my God, everything is so unfair, you know, I wish I wasn't in this position. He realized, and he said this in the movie. This is a quote. He said, "You either adapt or die." So he realized pretty much that if you didn't adapt, right, if you didn't think of life or in terms of success, if you didn't think of your potential there in an outside of the box way, well, what happened was obviously he would have lost his job. The manager of the team would have been out. They would have cut a bunch of players and probably try to start from scratch. Um, But the point was that Brad Pitt kind of developed this new system where he said, it wasn't a new system, but whatever. He had the insight or the kind of, what's the word? Not insight. He had the mind, right, to kind of see that the system that Jonah Hill was talking about in the movie could have actually worked in their system, right, and sort of for the Oakland Athletics. And so what was so cool about that is that a lot of times, right, because a lot of us, like like you and I, right? We don't we don't have a pedigree, right? We don't come from you know the upper class. So for us, we kind of have to kind of speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. So we have to kind of scrap, right? We have to sort of figure things out and kind of make success out of something. Not to say we don't have support, obviously we do, but for a lot of it, right? Because we don't have the type of network or connections, right? We have to figure out kind of our way to success and sort of outside of the box ways. And so what was so cool about the movie is that essentially that's what Brad Pitt did, right? And Jonah Hill, they figured out, and to much resistance, that you can. Can actually become a successful team through a way or through ways that actually didn't make sense with the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we apply that to ourselves, uh, how would that apply to us? In, in what sense? Like uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, we have done 50 plus episodes now, right? It's mm-hmm. been a year, yeah. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, right, I mean, you need to be doing, if you're in the podcast business, so to speak, mm-hmm. you need to be doing it for a while in order to uh, gain a lot of momentum, in order to get a, a big audience, kind of spread the word around, whatever it is that you're trying to convey. Right. Um, and some people have uh, advantages early on. Uh, if we're talking about someone like an Eric Weinstein, mm-hmm. right? Uh, day one of his podcast, not day one, but the first episode of his podcast 
got 200k views mm -hmm. well why well he already had some renown and fame before that he had been on rogan yep. he had said on multiple podcasting platforms that he was going to be doing a podcast mm -hmm. um he has a good following on twitter and all that so when somebody like that starts they already have their own advantages now some people might call those unfair advantages mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, in his case, it's probably not unfair because he's worked very hard. He's gone to uh, prestigious schools and he's done a lot of work, right? So right. I wouldn't say it's an unfair advantage, but that's somebody who, when they start a podcast, that's going to come out right away. Right. But then in our case, you know, day one, our first podcast, actually, it did get, a, for us, a decent amount of views. I was expecting... <laughs> 10 15 <laughs> less than 10 for right. the first episode right, right. and then i was thinking that the, the idea was you just have to work really hard you have to keep being consistent you have to keep releasing them you have to um have like a schedule uh and yeah and there's a sort of uh, there's just sort of a momentum that kind of builds when you let your audience know you're always going to be there every week um that you always have different things to talk about, a variety of content, mm -hmm. uh, maybe have different guests and all that. Right. So, uh, but we actually did all right for us. Uh, it was like 300 views, yeah, 200, exactly. 300 views. Okay. Not right away, but enough to give us a little bit of confidence to be like, okay, actually we could get somebody to watch this. Right, right, right. Let's see where this goes, mm -hmm. right? And one thing I, I noticed is that one, one thing that we could use as far as outside of the box thinking, right? is consistency mm -hmm. and why consistency well because when you generally when you start out you're not going to get a lot of views people aren't going to know who you are and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. so what do you what would you use as your drive to keep going you can't use the you can't use the views as a as a not right. a self-esteem boost what, what is, well, is it? it like a motivator as a motivator yeah. to, to act based on you know those external uh, stimuli right, right? Mm -hmm. you have to kind of believe in what it is that you're trying to convey mm -hmm. and then just keep doing it, mm -hmm. right? And kind of have faith in that process. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in my case, mm -hmm. why I even have faith in consistency mm -hmm. is because all the, all, all the great podcasters, a lot of successful people, when they started out, they also weren't successful right off the bat, right? right? Some people had unfair advantages. Some people uh, networked with others right. and maybe they had a head start in certain areas and, uh, they're ahead of other people, but in general, it's never, it's never easy. It's not something that just comes to you immediately. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of, especially if you, if you look at some Rogan episodes, he'll even say, if somebody uh, starts out a podcast, he just recommends what I just said and where I got it from is him yeah. is you just keep doing it. You keep, uh, you keep producing content and eventually you will build a following and it, it will go somewhere. And that's just consistency. What, what else? Uh, your connection, right, to O4L, right, right to uh, the Outlaws. Mm -hmm. um, you, which you, was luck, by the way. Yeah, you started writing for right. them, right? Like, mm -hmm. could you uh, talk a little sure. bit about that? Um, so, like, um, so you know, you obviously know about my blog, and so literally, I wrote an article about like Tupac and how much his music meant to me. And so, like, literally one day, um, it was probably because I, like, I tagged them. So, like, I put something on Twitter um, along the lines of, like, uh, 
like my blog about like Tupac and the Outlaws and kind of like, you know, how they affected me or something along those lines. I don't really remember. But um, so pretty much Vegas, who's the founder of O4L, ended up reaching out to me and he's like, hey, like, dude, like, I like your stuff. Like, do you want to come write for us? And I was like, yeah, like, that's not even a question, of course. So like, that was really dope. And then so I guess for me, the idea was, is that um, it's so consistency, right? So for me, I guess the idea, if I could kind of, you know, map it or I guess let's say put it in that framework is that like because I kind of kept writing and because it was like oh by the way initially I had like no views for my blog like it was like if you look at like the years the first year was like for me bad I was like this is like shit I was like why do I keep doing this <laughs> um, so right so but the thing is was like obviously kind of little by little right if you kind of produce consistent work that's obviously important to some extent to people what happens is eventually people end up finding it and so like when we talk about like Rogan and obviously Eric Weinstein right maybe they had that way back in their lives, right? So like, let's say, I don't know, when Rogan was um, starting out like an MMA, right? He probably obviously started out from like nothing and had to build himself up. So it's like, even though we're seeing him now at the podcast level, where obviously it's much easier for him to get followed. A lot of things led to that. Right, right, right. So I'm assuming he was where we were somewhere way back in like the 80s or 90s when he was like a comedian and nobody knew who he was. So um, from what I remember reading, I don't remember who said this. It might've even been Steve Harvey. I remember my friend Elaine saying this to me, was that like the main problem that people have in terms of a lack of success and by the way it's more nuanced than this so let me just i'll put i think this, i already know what you're gonna yeah, say. yeah yeah is that people give up right so people give up too early it's like they see that it's like they're easily defeated yeah and also i'm gonna you're gonna it's gonna go back to you but just for fun <laughs> he also said people don't try to pursue what they're good at right like for example uh steve harvey said if if you're good at like making chicken right or uh or uh, bacon pies or something like that, right. then that's what you should be doing. Right. And that should, and, or if there's something that you love doing, do that, right? Because it doesn't then, it doesn't feel like work. Yes. And then two, what happens is, uh, so for example, he gave a story, I, I'm not gonna say this ver correctly verbatim, but how I remember it is, there's this woman who would, uh, she baked a pie and she brought it to this restaurant. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, she said she wanted to uh, sell a pie there or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the owner didn't want to do that, but he wanted, but she wanted to add that to the menu or something. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening is she ended up selling one pie to some customer, mm -hmm. and they loved it. They said it was the best thing they ever had. Mm -hmm. Then she starts, uh, she comes in next time with a few pies, mm -hmm. and then those sell out, mm -hmm. and then maybe fifty or mm -hmm. something all of those sell out very quickly, mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, what ends up happening is it starts, there's a momentum that sort of builds. Right. And what ends up happening is she then gets, after she makes a certain amount of money, she gets people to then help her to make the pies. Mm -hmm. So then all of those sell out. And then all eventually it gets to the point where she starts making a lot of money. Right. And I think her own restaurant too. Mm -hmm. uh, one more story, since I'm just on a Steve Harvey kind of rhythm sure, right now, sure. is... His barber, mm -hmm. uh, back when Steve Harvey had hair, right. he would uh, pay his barber a lot of money of $1,500 a haircut, okay. something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Actually, no, no, no. I remember his barber used to cut his hair in for like 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. This is a long time ago. This is like when he was already like uh, first becoming a comedian or something like that. Right. And then as Steve Harvey got famous mm -hmm. he started paying him fifteen hundred dollars a haircut mm -hmm. right so that that was great for for the haircut guy but then steve harvey lost his hair right so then he decided to pay this guy a severance mm -hmm. right and so he gave and it was a, a good amount of money i don't know what that amount was mm -hmm. 
but apparently what that barber ended up doing was he invested that money in order to uh, open a barber college. Interesting. And then uh, that made a whole bunch of money. And then he ended up opening a whole bunch of different barber shops and barber colleges. Mm -hmm. And he's a millionaire mm -hmm. uh, today. Right. Makes like three something million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's because he loved cutting hair or that's that, or that's something he was good at. Right. Right. So, but he also had the investment obviously. So that was really important. Right. But he went from 10 right. to 1500, which is already, that's awesome. Right. Like for as far as haircuts go. Mm -hmm. And then, then he had the investment, but fair enough. Yeah. It is nuanced. Right. Mm -hmm. But he did something, you know, or if somebody loves uh, chicken or they can cook chicken, they can have a restaurant. And yeah. if it's really good, that can do well. Right. What I'm hearing is that what you're saying is like, it's a mix of talent and luck. It's, it's a mix of, uh, one finding what you love to do or something that you're good at. Right. Consistency. Um, which kind of demonstrates a reliability mm -hmm. to the customer or to whoever. Mm -hmm. And luck in terms of being able when opportunity presents itself to be able to seize that opportunity. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of factors that, that go into it. There, there is also a certain level of courage, right. To yeah. be able to, um, once an opportunity presents itself to take it, right. right? There, there's been many times in my life where opportunities have presented themselves and I did not take them right. and just nothing happened. And well, you didn't have the confidence either that, or I just wasn't, educated on or i didn't think i didn't have faith in the fact that it might lead somewhere yeah so i would say confidence so by the way it's interesting that like you know how like in our culture people get so upset like for like they get not upset but let's say they get angry sometimes or judgmental for people like for when they're like let's say cowardly or whatever like that's that's like the quote that people like use right like oh you're cowardly mm -hmm. like you know they look at success as like here are the courageous people like up here who are successful and here's all the cowardly ones right the ones who aren't able to make it so but if you really like stop to think about it courage is just confidence so it's like these people up here have had a lot of support right so mm -hmm. even if it's like let's say let me just quantify this so even if it's like one support system like where it's one person right that one support system was enough to get them to take the risk whereas a lot of other people who are quote-unquote cowardly right they just don't have the confidence that's all it means like cowardly cowardlessness wait, wait yeah cowardless yeah whatever so courage and cowardliness that's the word right so essentially those people are just not confident so it's like it's so interesting that as a culture we beat people up for being like cowards or pussies or whatever but yet like if somebody just gave them the confidence and somebody convinced them that they could do the thing that they want to do they would do it right so it's like the fear is not like a sign of moral weakness the fear is a sign of intellect because if you're like if you don't believe that you're going to be able to succeed why the hell would you try it doesn't make any sense that's true um also i I think that also in our society, we don't necessarily encourage people to right. um, try harder. Sometimes, right. sometimes we'll say, no, you're okay the way you are. Right. Right. And in a sense, you are okay the way you are, but that kind of thinking can be confused and lead people to kind of stay in their place and not try to yeah. go past a certain level. Or we punish them. Or we tell them like, oh, you're a coward. Like, why don't you get your shit together and go do what you need to do? Another hard thing is when you're trying to move up, right, so to speak, uh, people will challenge that because they're used to a certain image of you. Right. And when they see something they're not used to, they, they resist. Mm -hmm. And that's very challenging for people who are trying to make their way up or trying to do something new. Right. Right. Like uh, when I started talking about, um, for example, what I wanted to do, this is years ago, we're talking like 
five plus years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. When I was interested in, um, so my page, Ego Ends Now, right? Mm -hmm. So initially the idea was, you know, you want to make the most essential knowledge uh, known everywhere. You, you want to make certain, like th thinking in nuanced ways, in general, critical thinking, uh, being able to enter entertain paradoxical viewpoints, but not be bothered by the paradox, mm -hmm. uh, being able to um, try to find the, the truth between all these different perspectives by integrating mm -hmm. what might be true. Uh, I know that's general. I got yeah. you. I got you. Yeah. And it sounded great. Right. But then the, when I told people like what I wanted to do or that I wanted to make that my career or wanted to figure, even though I didn't know how I was going to do that at the time. Right. Um, I was, for example, from my folks, from my parents, they were like, what are you talking about? How are you going to make money from this? Like, and they're right. They were right to say that. Or, uh, what, how are you going to do this? And, and I felt like at the time, since I, you know, I'd found my passion or the thing I wanted to do, because that's something that was kind of, more of a recent thing that's been put out into into the mainstream of you know find your passion find work that's meaningful to you and all that right. so i had taken that message but i had not um embraced all the qualities that you would need to have embraced in order to make that uh work for you mm -hmm. so i was uh I, I took it adverse like it felt like adversity it felt like uh, I was getting, it felt like, uh, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Right. It felt really hard to then even, uh, baby step my way. Uh, my, I, I, I figured, um, that, it, you know, if you don't know how something's going to turn out, right. sometimes baby stepping is a way to incrementally get better. Like for instance, right. but you have uh, to believe in yourself and you have to believe right. in yourself. You have to also, uh, for example, uh, when you're writing your blog, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in order to be a writer, you have to write. Right. In order to do something, you have to take the necessary action. So for, for me, uh, I did some writing uh, for Ego Ends Now, once upon a time, but I didn't do it consistently. I didn't, I didn't do what I needed. I also wanted to do videos, right. but I, I was never sure how to wrap my head around how to do that mm -hmm. and all that. And there was a long period of stagnancy what it was just about was just uh sharing um this is not bad but like memes or quotes and all that which is great mm -hmm. actually if it's a it, i don't see anything wrong with that technically it's just it's not it's not hard work yeah. technically but yeah i would share certain memes that had in, in, interesting intellectual thoughts in there right. certain quotes all that but it, it wasn't going all the way and what i learned is you have to take a chance like when we talked about doing the podcast initially right that was that to me that was where an opportunity presented itself and even though i was uh, i was scared like i, I didn't so know was i yeah yeah Absolutely. Which, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, but I wanted to, it felt like finally I'd found an opportunity right. to be able to put something out there. Right. And it's like when there's two people working on something mm -hmm. or, or at least a team, mm -hmm. it feels like whatever you can't do, mm -hmm. someone else can kind of compensate for. Mm -hmm. And then 
it, it's it, then the the sum uh, becomes greater. So <laughs> I'm not even going to say this correctly. Yeah. The idea I'm trying to convey is when both of us both of us yeah, the combine, sum is greater than the parts. Thank you. That's it. Yeah. That's what I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of us combined was right. Yeah, and so uh, that that kind of gave more confidence in order to be able to start to produce episodes, right? Mm -hmm. And even though we didn't sometimes even know what we were going to talk about, or if we did know what we were going to talk about, we didn't know where the conversations were going to go, what kind of things we would improvise to kind of bring into there. Mm -hmm. If we'd ever have guests right. when we started, how is that even going to work out and all of that? Mm -hmm. We didn't know, but uh, we decided to try anyway and kind of take it step by step, mm -hmm. right? Just take some sort of action and that kind of snowballed. Yeah. And, and so like, just before I kind of switch a little bit, right. So, and the fact is that also we've been taken in or been able to take in information. Like, so when people give us like compliments, right. We sort of obviously use them, right. Like we love, you know, when you guys comment on YouTube, yeah. uh, yeah. When like sort of people hit us up and tell us like how much different shows have meant to us, like that's really cool. And obviously it gives us the encouragement to keep going, but then kind of even just to bring it back to the idea of outside of the box thinking what happened in the film was, um, so pretty much he had this moment where he goes and he meets uh, I think it was the owner of the Red Sox at the time and so the owner of the Red Sox was like well yeah like what why do you think like the league reacted the way they did and why you know you're kind of staffed it mm -hmm. and so he's like I mean I don't know right and so he pretty much tells him he's like because these new ideas scare people right so he's like pretty much if they have to implement and learn a new plan right for them in some way it makes them feel terrified because like they're not certain of their world anymore right he's like people have been doing baseball this way for over 100 years right if now if they start doing it differently that means they have to learn a new way of being mm -hmm. and I wonder right obviously can't know this for sure but I wonder if some part of you telling your parents that in some way also kind of scared them where it's like whoa that's not how you become successful like where are you coming up with these ideas because sometimes what you see is that like um it's one thing I think when somebody just tells you like oh hey like here are all of the reasons why I don't think this is going to work out here's why you should do this but it's interesting to me sometimes and maybe this didn't happen with your parents but it does happen with people when they get like angry at new ideas right when somebody will tell them like hey I have this new idea and here's why I think this will work they'll be, no it's never gonna work why would you even just stupid why would you even try that right so it's like the anger and the resistance kind of indicates there's something deeper than just my intellect is telling me it's not going to work it seems like it's more of a redirected fear i'm sorry yeah redirected fear that goes into sort of anger right where you're just trying to kind of push it away from your mind because for you it's like oh my god like now i'm insecure right what happens if my way of doing things is now sort of over sort of overturned or over kind of or um, challenges their belief system Exactly. So what sucks a lot of times in our culture is if somebody kind of puts themselves out there and tries to do something new or something different, obviously they get mocked and laughed at by people who already feel insecure. So from their perspective, it's like, yeah, we don't want this person to succeed because if they succeed, what does that mean for the way that we're succeeding, right? Does that mean that we're somehow not going to be successes now? So I'm sure there are even more things that go on through these people's minds. Mm -hmm. But the idea is, it's like for us, I think we've also had the luxury of having a lot of support, right? So even though we've kind of thought outside the box and I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, starting a podcast, I guess, to some extent is outside the box. I mean, I don't know many people, obviously, who have podcasts. Um, but the idea is, is that for us, what kind of helped us with it was also the support network that we had, right? So people telling us, like, how like, good the episodes were, um, how much they meant to them, like our own friends, right? People just, like, random people on the internet. So I thought that was really cool. So, but in terms of just, like, outside of the box thinking, right, I think for... Um, 
let's say for you and I, what was so important about this podcast is that like, we knew that we would never become like, let's say um, actors or I don't know, or musicians. Like that was not a route for us. Right. We don't, we, I'm not a, I don't have any musical talents. Right. You, I don't know. Maybe you're a good actor. I've seen you sing. I've heard you sing. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so, um, right. So, but we knew that that wasn't going to be our avenue. Right. And sort of, if you think about like commonplace, the way things usually are is that like, if you come from a family of actors or musicians or whatever, right, you're obviously going to get those same opportunities. So for us in some way, we had to kind of adapt and invent for ourselves, right? Kind of look for our talents and figure out ways to kind of manifest them that haven't really been implemented or no, I'm sorry, not haven't been implemented ways that could be implemented that maybe are not the norm from where we come from. Well, yeah, I mean, see here, for example, um, the profession of psychotherapy, right? Mm -hmm where you meet with uh, clients and it's, it's always a one-on-one -on -one sort of session. Right. I guess unless you have an, uh, somebody observing, but it's, that's a different situation. But um, so that's appealing to me, mm -hmm. actually. It was appealing to me ever since I was uh, I actually had uh, different careers in mind mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I was thinking like a computer programmer. Uh, I thought a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, at the time, I didn't know psychotherapist. I knew therapist. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So computer <laughs> programmer, therapist, or lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about doctor at some point as well. Of course, the Russian way. Not even that. Yeah. I just thought, like, I, I like I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. But then I wasn't sure. So computer program was from based on the self-interest. I love computers. I like to play around with technology. Right. Just it's fun to learn new things about it. Um, some people think I'm tech savvy. My own standard of myself is not because I compare myself to somebody who's like a hacker or mm -hmm. somebody who really knows video editing, like up I to hear. here, I hear but whatever. So I had seen some talent in there. So I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, the main point I, I want to make here is that, um, I, I was attracted to psychotherapy. I like the idea of telling people, you know, or, or talking to people, listening to them, kind of helping them to resolve issues, kind of being able to maybe in, uh, tell them about how, uh, a little bit about certain aspects of how their mind works mm -hmm. in order to have a little bit of a self-awareness. Okay. And then maybe that would lead to some sort of um, insight for them and maybe uh, like a, a dissolution of suffering in their life, unnecessary suffering. Right. And I like that idea. But then it wasn't complete, that idea for me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that impacted more people at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's a saying, uh, you know, if you want to change the world, you want to change uh, something, the world globally, uh, you have to start locally, mm -hmm. right? And that's a saying I, I heard uh, when I was a kid and it, it stuck with me, right? And then I was thinking, all right, so maybe I should do psychotherapy, right? But then... I was thinking, oh, but if you think about it with the internet, technically to act locally on the internet is to act lo uh, globally mm -hmm. because it goes pretty much to the world. I understand that the whole world has internet right now, but it's, it's getting there right. as far as that goes. Um, so it's, it's not a traditional sort of uh, profession, but uh, I did want to do something along the lines of somehow getting an idea, making something uh, viral about having an understanding of ourselves, mm -hmm. of nuanced thinking, kind of bring it back to what I said at the beginning with you know, uh, right. crit critical thinking, right. being able to understand somebody else, 
that was very attractive to me. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking, all right. I, and then when I saw the opportunity to do the podcast, I was thinking, well, if this is really good, if we can get a, a clear, succinct message out there or be able to speak in a way that resonates with people, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully everyone, but I understand that it depends on the speaker depends on the speaker's mood, depends on the listener's mood. Right. It depends on a lot of different variables. It can depend on uh, them having hair or not hair. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Or like whatever shirt they're wearing. Uh, right, kind of like the baseball thing, right? Where it's like they would look for players that were like just chiseled and in great shape. You never know. And it, or, yeah, and it depends. It depends, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and some people might look past that, right. too. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but why why do I like this? Because I feel like even if we're one of many people kind of doing this sort of role of uh, of just spreading certain information that's not um, mainstream, not available to the masses. <laughs> you could say, you could say, but um, yeah, I feel like then we would just be one person that would just one type. We would be some kind of uh, people that would get some portion of the audience and maybe someone else can handle the other part. It doesn't have to be everybody has to listen to us. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it'd be cool, but even then I'm totally fine with it not being like that. Right. Um, so I kind of went off on a tangent there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got what you're saying. Yeah. So pretty much what you're saying is in terms of your career, you kind of went from psychotherapy to something more broad. And then I think what you're also saying is that you pretty much had to think, or not to had to, but decided to think outside of the box. Right. Whereas like normal careers, so like for our parents would be doctor, lawyer, some therapist of some sort. You're like, Oh, Hey, but here's like this other thing that they I don't even like therapy, but sorry, go ahead. Up. <laughs> right so it's like so the idea i don't mean that by the way just, thank you <laughs> i know just in case i don't mean that there's gonna be a clip from yeah. so it's like uh so i mean the idea is that like for us because we kind of come from a different culture obviously it's hard for us to kind of fight back against the forces that sort of bring us back into normality right or normalcy maybe um, so the idea is like when I was a kid, obviously what I was told was pretty much what you were, right? Like here are these options for you, right? And if you try to go outside of that, it's just, you're not going to be successful. It doesn't make much sense. So, um, which is by the way, why I went both routes. So why I'm a therapist and I do the podcast and the blog. Um, I think probably maybe in terms of just your overall well-being, it's probably best to do both. Like to try like your hand at a, by the way, this matters. So like if you're going to become a lawyer, chances are you're not going to have time to do a podcast. So I'm just saying. So, um, but my thinking was like, I could try to do the best of both worlds because because like on the one hand, like I do need a paycheck, obviously, and I like being a therapist. But then the other thing was that I really want to have a successful podcast. So for us, I think sometimes people get trapped in, um, and by the way, I don't know enough about like every or most professions to be able to say how true this is, but I do think that sometimes you get trapped in all, people get trapped in all or nothing thinking, where they think it's either I do the, like the path, you know, taken, mostly taken, or the path not taken, right? I think you can do both. So my thinking is that when it comes to outside of the box thinking, sometimes people think of it as, as like all or nothing, right? You mm. all, it's like you only try, it's like you put all your eggs into being a podcaster or a musician or whatever or you just you give up on it and forget about your dreams and you just pursue this other more practical thing honestly depending again on the profession and the time that it allots you i get it most professions don't give you that kind of time so 
I'm taking that into consideration. But there are some professions that will allow you to have a pretty much a stable paycheck, but then on the other hand, allow you to fulfill your dreams. So uh, my point is like for people who want to think outside of the box, what I hope that like you guys don't get trapped in is the thinking of it has to be all or nothing because it's sometimes possible for you to pursue your music career or for you to pursue poetry or um, writing a blog, right? And still have a day job. So I think that what's so cool is that a lot of the people we meet, they have day jobs in addition to what they do. Like Glenn, right? So our guest Glenn Sharp, he comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So Glenn has a day job, right? So he works for an energy company in, in Sac I think Sacramento, no, San yeah, Sacramento, I think. Right, so he works for an energy company there and he's obviously a writer. He was just published in a pretty like prominent publication the other day. So the idea is for him, he's like pursuing his dream while at the same time kind of working his nine to five. Mm -hmm. So, but sometimes again, people think like, oh, if I give up on my, or if I give up the nine to five, right, then I'm pretty much obviously giving up stability and this is the only way for me to pursue my dreams i don't think it has to be that simple like you also have a day job right it's not like you gave up everything to give up to do the podcast yeah right yeah the, the thing is um the the thing is if there's something you really want to do mm -hmm. and you have a, a day job that doesn't exact i mean it could be something that you enjoy right right but say it, it's not something that you totally enjoy right maybe you could find things to to like about it and all that mm -hmm. but um i would then say that if there's something else that somebody wants to do that you just have to carve out the time yeah even if there is no time you, you know for example how much time do we use watching television right mm -hmm. uh, for in America, what is it? The average six plus hours of television watch. Probably even more on the phone. And then there's time on the phone, mm -hmm. and then there, there's uh, there's this idea of something called the opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. Like, what could you, you know, what the, the time that you spending doing that? What else could you be doing? Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of successful people. So I'm parroting them. I'm not in the upper echelon of that kind of person. Yeah. But uh, I do adhere to the sort of thinking, which is if uh, I lost my thread, I'm sorry. Uh, what was I just saying? <laughs> I lost my thread. It's okay. So in terms of like the job and that you were talking about that sometimes. Like, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So uh, what the idea is to think what else? Right. What else can I be doing with this time? And constantly putting in your head, what else, what else, what else? Anytime you're doing something that doesn't uh, serve your goal or serve maybe the person next to you um, or, yeah, like, for example, uh, eating unhealthy food, right? Uh, in the moment, it feels great. And you could be spending your time doing that and you'd get these pleasurable feelings for that short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, but also at the same time, what if you ate something else and then you ended up feeling better, your thinking was clearer, right. um, your, your body just functioned better, you kind of have more of a vibrant energy, mm -hmm. and then you come to people with that energy, or you come to whatever task you're trying to undertake right. with that energy. Mm -hmm. That has those little incremental things that somebody can do, right. they add up. Yeah. And then if you do all those little incremental things in all these different areas, mm -hmm. uh, that can produce an emergent that is unlike something you would imagine. Cause if it's like a paradigm shift, mm -hmm. you, you can't, 
imagine what the next paradigm, I mean, maybe you could imagine, but you can't really know what the next paradigm is right. from the paradigm you're at right now. Right. But if there were things that you changed, little things that you, uh, to tweak the equation, so to speak, mm -hmm. you change this variable a little bit here with my food. I change this variable here with, uh, time spent with family and friends. Mm -hmm. I, uh, change this var variable with, um, with a TV watching, right. uh, maybe I pick up a new habit and add that. So then all those variables will exactly mm -hmm. add up and create a different, a new emergent. Right. Um, I love so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like aggregate thinking, right? So it's like what you're saying essentially in my mind is that like, it's a step-by-step -step process. Like, um, uh, pretty much it's like what we get trapped in. Oh, oh my God. This is such a good example that I actually want to mention now. So again, black and white thinking, right? You choose one thing or the other of like all or nothing. So in the movie, there was this great scene and I'm sorry for you guys. This is going to be a spoiler. So like in the film, Brad Pitt's character, so Billy Bean. So he tells Jonah Hill's character, he says like, look, you know, like if we don't win the world series, this is all going to be for nothing. Right. So they ended up winning 20 in a row that year, which is like fucking unheard. First of all, that never happened. Right. They were the mm -hmm. first team in like the entire league history to win 20 games in a row. Right. With their crappy roster. And I don't want to disrespect any of the players. So let me not say crappy roster because they, they pretty much, they did a hell of a job. Right. Mm. So, um, so, but the point is, is that like in the film, right, he's, he's like really kind of like all or nothing. So there's this great scene, right? So they don't win the world series. They don't even get to the world series. Right. So they think, I, I think they lose in the, um, did they lose in the, I think they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Right. Whatever. So Brad Pitt's like, so Billy Bean is like super depressed. He's like, this was shit. I knew it. Right. And so Jonah Hill's character is like, come on, just let me, let me come show you something. And then, so he puts on this video, right. Of this like really overweight baseball player. And then he's like, okay, so like you see like this guy, right? So he's like, you know, I was scouting him, right? And he's like, he's another like one of these like really underrated players. And he's actually like really good, but he doesn't have the confidence, right? He doesn't even know it. And nobody around him knows it, right? Meaning that they're not going to help him build up the confidence. So he's like, he always has like this thing, right? Where he actually doesn't get on second base, right? So what happens is like in baseball, like, so let's say if you get, um, you hit a double, what it means is instead of just going on one base, you're going on the second base, right? So you hit the ball and you kind of round it to second right you pretty much you go from one to two so he was afraid of doing that most likely because of his weight right so he didn't want to be ashamed so it's like for him anytime he hit a ball right and it didn't matter like how far back it was or like you know kind of whether or not it was going to come back to the to the infield right the problem was that he was too scared to round first and actually go to second right always like that was his issue so Jonah Hill's like check this play out right so he hits the ball right and he's going he's going he's going he gets on first right he thinks about it he's like oh maybe I should do it maybe I should try maybe I should go to second right and then he goes and then he trips the thing that embarrassed him actually happened like he tripped right and then he's like 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 he starts crawling back to first base right and he puts like his head down like in shame and he's like oh my god I tried to do it and I embarrassed myself right and then so like his players like start like tapping him on the head and he's like what what and they're like no get up get up and he's like what and they're like get up keep keep going keep going and Jonah Hill's like you see that he hit a home run and he didn't even realize it Oh, wow. right, oh, wow. right, right. What a story. And the, he, and so the point was when he was telling Brad Pitt's character was essentially like you hit a home run and you're so focused on not winning the world series that you don't even realize it. And then, so obviously what happened was that's when he ended up meeting with the GM of Boston and not the GM, sorry, the uh, president and slash owner of Boston. And the guy's like, yeah, dude, like your system is amazing. I'm surprised that like nobody's implemented it before. We actually already hired the inventor of it. Like he actually already works for us. Wow. So that's what they wanted to bring him into 
include it. Like we want like there to be kind of an integrated uh, strategy or like an integrated front office. And so, but the point is that sometimes we're like so black and white in our thinking that we don't kind of see our potential. So how this kind of relates to what you said is that in the little kind of goals, right? The way we think of it sometimes is that if you're not achieving automatically, then it's not working right? Going back to the Steve Harvey quote, we give up. So it's like you make a few changes here and there and you're like, ah, I'm not losing that much weight. Um, I don't seem to be much happier, etc. Right. But what I love with, about what you said is that it's pretty much the aggregate that it's not about the like, um, well, it is and it isn't. It's not about the like sort of daily goals in themselves or the daily changes in themselves. Let's say it's not about you watching one less hour of TV in that particular day, right? Or on that particular day in terms of the results, right? But if you look at the aggregate and if let's say you're going to the gym on average, I don't know, 20 more hours a week. No, no, I'm sorry, not 24 hours a week, 24 hours a month on average, right? What happens is in the long run, obviously that kind of works out and it's sort of, um, yeah, what happens in a year? Right. And it builds up. And so what happened in the movie, right, with Billy Bean is that like he wasn't able to see the bigger picture. So he was so focused on losing in the playoffs again two years in a row that he didn't realize that literally him even getting to the playoffs at that point was incredibly improbable. So the year before, right, they had like really good players. So getting to the playoffs then was like, they're like, yeah, great. These people should be here. But now where their team was significantly worse, right, in terms of stats, right, they actually got to the same place as they did the day before, the year before. Oh, and they won more games. But in his mind, he's like, all I can see is that we lost the World Series. But Jonah Hill's like, no, dude. He's like, he hit a home run and he didn't even realize it. <laughs> right. Right. That's incredible. Uh-huh. That's incredible. So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, back to outside the box thinking. Mm-hmm. If, if you have the, the courage, right, if you have the consistency, right. if you also think about what – what else can you do with the with the time right. or or if you are let's say this is a newer point say you see what other people are doing maybe mm-hmm. what's what's something that genuinely that that's something that you're good at that you could convey right. if anyone's listening and they're let's say they're interested in making a podcast for instance mm-hmm. maybe they don't necessarily have to talk about what we talk about mm-hmm. maybe it could be a comedy podcast right, right? Mm-hmm. maybe maybe it could uh maybe there's another uh, I forgot his name, Matt Iceman. Yeah, there you go. Mm. He is a host for American Ninja Warrior. Mm-hmm. And right now he came out with a new podcast. And I'm kind of blanking on the name. but We should start looking stuff off when we mention things, yo. I feel bad. <laughs> right? I, I love Matt Iceman. If anything, if somebody looked up Matt Iceman's <laughs> yeah, podcast, okay. find it. We need a Jamie. And it's, a new, <laughs> it's this new podcast where basically it's like a game show podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. He'll zoom. He'll call up uh, like a celebrity mm-hmm. or maybe two or three or something like that. Yeah. And he's going to start. He starts asking questions. Mm-hmm. And then whoever does. I forgot what you have to do in order to go first. But it's kind of like uh, he'll ask a question and then whoever has the answer first, yeah. they start to they win. Right. And that's the first game show podcast, actually, mm-hmm. of its kind. Mm-hmm. And that's something really unique. And that's a niche that, it, you know, if something is unique like that, that's also going to garner an audience right. and eventually have its own momentum and maybe be really big. Right. It's new right now, so I don't know where it's at, but he's definitely had some celebrities on already. So I'm assuming that's already some sort of modicum of success, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sometimes it's about finding a niche. Sometimes it's about differentiating yourself mm-hmm. or or if it is the same field as somebody else, maybe just whatever's your two cents yeah. or, or because yeah. you're saying it, it's authentically from you. Right. It's your take. 
you know, right? So, so sometimes, uh, you know, what's the difference between Jason Silva conveying an idea and Joe Rogan conveying an idea? Well, they both have their own ways of doing that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and a different kind of uh, intonations and sort of uh, you know, peaks and levels of energy, mm -hmm. right? So uh, uh, Jason Silva, for instance, right? He'll get into a, a freestyle-like uh, rap, uh, like a flow of speaking, right. and you won't hear too many pauses in his speech. And it actually, all the words string together. And sometimes it, he's speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it all makes sense. Like if you objectively wrote down everything that he said, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. But you could kind of almost see as he's speaking, he's figuring out what he's saying as he's saying it, mm -hmm. which is generally kind of what most people do. But in the way that he's doing it, it's like he's saying amazing things about uh uh, about awe, about flow state, uh, different quotes from different uh, writers, novels, poets, all right. that. Mm -hmm. uh, Rogan, Rogan is, uh, he has his own style as well, right? He's always going to be a pluralistic thinker, mm -hmm. uh, nuanced. He always takes like different positions. He'll always talk in a way where he'll recognize as he's saying something, what another person might think of what he's saying right. uh, in order to demonstrate that he's aware of what the other side is saying. Mm -hmm. So this way, at least when you're listening to him, you could kind of start to appreciate his point more. Right. Uh, I have my ver my own version of that, that I do something similar to that, mm -hmm. uh, but it's how I do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't talk the way I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I do, uh, for instance, right now, I'm not going to say you should do us and ums and all that. It probably should be eliminated from my I, speech. I don't disagree. I mean, I disagree, but okay. I think it's authentic. That's why I've always liked it. No, no. So that's great. I, I hear you. But then I'm just saying there's a different way of conveying yourself. And then that's, what's going to resonate with somebody or with an audience. Mm -hmm. And I think people would be surprised how much of an audience there really is for what you have to say mm -hmm. uh, or what you have to convey yeah. because people love authenticity. They're drawn to authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, they just have to be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And that part about consistency is just building that sort of reliability with that audience. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of these things kind of interplay with each other and combine to produce that emergent of getting somewhere with whatever your endeavor is. Yeah. Yeah, and there's probably other aspects of it that we didn't cover, but... Well, I mean, I, we can even cover, like, in terms of, like, outside-of-the-box thinking, like, what we do with our podcast. So, I think, um, just obviously, the podcast itself, I guess, is outside-of-the-box. But, um, so, the thing is, like, for the longest time, right, what I think we wanted to do is that, obviously, we wanted to have, like, the the guests that we wanted to have on our shows were, obviously, the biggest, the ones with the biggest followings, right? And sort of, like, a recent idea that we had is that, like, there are a lot of people out there who are, like... Um, I, let me, I'll just say this and I hope it's sort of interpreted the right way. Diamonds in the rough, right? Meaning that they might not necessarily have the following, but they have the intellect and they have sort of the value, right? That would be sort of the value you would see in these guests with like thousands or millions of followers. Kind of like in Moneyball with, the, yes. with that player with the home run. Right, right, right. So, and the idea is like for us, right, to make our podcast work, right? A lot of the times we have to search for guests, right? That are not sort of like super active on like Twitter. And we've had that before. Like let's say Owen Flanagan doesn't even have a Twitter, right? phenomenal guest, phenomenal thinker person, right? Um, and then we had like Yolanda Dene, right? Who also doesn't have like a huge following on like, uh, let's say Instagram or Twitter. And so the thing is the way that we kind of survive as terms of the way our podcast work is, works is that
that you know the sort of the the thinking in the beginning was like okay we have to have the guests who are like who have the check marks the blue check marks right the ones who have like notoriously are sort of um like famous or have like a lot of followers mm -hmm. um but what you find is that so there's a downside to that and i don't mean that there's only a downside but the downside is a lot of the times that even if you land these guests they unfortunately have been on like a million shows right so that means that they're like all over the place which is still great that we can learn from them obviously but the idea is that because they're so well known they've also like produced a lot of content right and then so obviously the other downside is it's very hard to get them so for us we had to kind of adapt in that respect right where we had to kind of look for guests that are let's say less known but have a lot of value to offer so what we kind of hope for our podcast to be is that that it's like as we're kind of coming up and as we're gaining some sort of traction and obviously some sort of audience that we hope the same thing happens for our guests so like what happens for me and i'm sure it happens for you too is like when i see like one of our guests and they like like i don't know they published like an article somewhere like you know somewhere notable like Jamie right Jamie Lombardi who was our guest last year she literally just started publishing for AI which is like fucking awesome right if I remember correctly episode eight right which is like a million years ago right so it's like episode eight and then you had this person like and if you talk to Jamie she'll tell you she's like I used to be like terrified of writing like I wouldn't want to put any of my work out there and now she's like writing for AI and like as we're kind of coming up and then we have like let's say Jesse right Jesse's like third factor magazine like she's had pretty notable people on that so I feel like what's so cool is that like as we kind of discover each other as our guests discover like our little podcast and we discover them in their beginning stages of like success right we kind of get to work together and build this community where we're all kind of coming up together so it's like um, what's so cool is that a lot of times when you get like the more uh, I guess popular guests like there's sort of a detachment there right like um, it seems like Okay, so not fully. So let me just be nuanced here. It seems more of a tr business transaction where it's like we obviously both gain something. We learn a lot from them. They learn from us. But when it comes to the guests who are less notable, right, these are the people that we feel like we have a camaraderie with. Like we're both interested in helping each other succeed. So what I love about kind of what? I, I think uh, with the, I think it's true for just, it just depends on the guest. That's true. I, I, I really think like, um, for example, I mean, this is a little behind the scenes, but there was a little exchange with you and Scott. Right. Uh, after the pot, he's like, oh, if you ever need anything, That's true. like, uh, you know, because right. he just genuinely likes your, yeah. your blog and he liked being on the podcast. That's true. So, I mean, right. And so let me just say like on average. Right. So like on average, like the guests who are like, um, I guess nah, maybe that's not even true because, okay, let me just say this has never happened to us, I guess, because our guests have actually been all pretty good, whether or not they were like popular. That's true. They were actually, like, they're, they're all pretty cool. I just think yeah. the degree to how I know what you, I get what you're yeah. saying by camaraderie, like right. to the degree of like, oh, you're, this might be like a friend you might right. keep talking to or something like that. Right. Or or at least uh, you got closer to them right. or something like right. that. Right, and it's like, yeah. what I mean is that, so let's say in terms of degrees, like the people who are closer to us, those are the ones who have more of an investment or an interest in our success, right? And we feel the same way for them. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not, so let me just say like, yes, it seems like all of our guests are definitely interested in our success, 100%. But you just see in terms of degrees, like there are some people who are like, who are like really happy for us or like really want to kind of help us succeed. As obviously we want to help them. Yeah. And also, I mean, uh, as far as success is concerned, I mean, I, I think uh, then it's not, I was about to say like, the, you know, some people just want to see you do well. Right. Um, and, you know, we want to see them do well too. Mm -hmm. And it's a very like genuine sort of feeling. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you as far as that goes. I almost was going to say, I think they just want to see you do well, but that's kind of synonymous with right, success. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, I guess I have this idea in my head when I think of success, like I want you to, 
you know, have a huge audience right. or whatever. Instead of like, I, no, I just like to see you do well. I hope you do well in your endeavor. Right. Um, I, I like what it is that you talk about. I like what you're, what you convey. Right. And that so, and, and also I think interestingly enough, like for us, like with the guests who are like less known or less, like less notable, like for us in some way, we're like, we're investing in each other, which I really like. I mean, again, the other guests do the same thing too, because they invest their time in us. I, I definitely don't doubt that. So, um, let me see how I can phrase it. It's like a network. We, we build a network. Yeah. 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 I just feel like with, um, with the guests that are kind of like less notable, like for them, it just seems like, um, it's a, I guess there's more kind of um, enthusiasm. Again, I'm not saying that the other people are obviously not enthusiastic, but there is more enthusiasm and there's more connection, right? There's more of a kind of a dialogue and there's more of a desire, right? For the community of success mm -hmm. where it's like what happens sometimes I feel like with like the bigger networks, like these people are already kind of successful in themselves and the guests that they already have are successful. Right. So for them, I'm not really necessarily sure that they really spend so much time thinking about the other person's success. Whereas I genuinely get the feeling that with the guests that we have, and again, it's probably even the other guests, the ones that are kind of higher up there that they really care about us succeeding. Like you just kind of get that sense, right? Where it's like for them, it's like we're sort of symbiotic with one another. And sort of going back to outside of the box thinking, what I feel like happened with our podcast is like we adapted, right? We kind of realized early on that you're not going to get like a Jordan Peterson or whatever on our show. It's just what it is. Maybe sometime in the future, it ain't happening now, right? <laughs> so we kind of realized that we needed the, <laughs> so we realized that we needed to look for people right who were just as valuable as him right but who were obviously kind of within grasp for us. And what I like about that is that like as we kind of grow up together, what we find is that eventually like we'll have like this network of people who will always be there with us and so obviously as we'll be there for them right no matter yeah no. I, I just gotta say this right. uh, just for anyone in the audience who's thinking like oh these people like jordan peterson or uh scott barry kaufman napoleon emmy van derzen mm -hmm. and you name it right if you think these people are actually out of reach like it's impossible that you could ever have them on your podcast or whatever it's actually, that's not true. Uh, I, I'm learning and I, th I think we're still learning as we do this, actually how these, these people who are these like paragons, these, these icons mm -hmm. are actually just as, just really cool people most yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. A lot of them are very busy, uh, which is, you know, you, it comes with the territory, right. but I think that anyone who's doing a podcast as far as getting guests is concerned. Um, just from our personal experience, I think it's, it don't be surprised actually, or, or let me put it this way. You'll be pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. if you try to get certain guests right. or, or authors promoting new books or something like that. A, a lot of times they're interested in getting as much exposure as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say, you know, for anyone who's tried to get, get, tries to get guests, <clears throat> uh, they should be daring. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I definitely agree. But, so, but the kind of like the main point, or at least for me is that like when it comes to actually sort of picking up or getting guests on your show, right. Sometimes the outside of the box thinking is literally looking for diamonds in the rough, like Billy Bean was doing in baseball. Right. He pretty much said like, look, this is my salary. And for us, this was our ability, right. Nobody knew who we were. And by the way, this was not even like a knock on like Jordan Peterson or anybody who's high up there. If I were them, I wouldn't want to come on our podcast. Cause it's like, at least in the beginning, it's like, who are these guys? <laughs> it's the truth man hey man <laughs>
You never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so my, but my point is like, I get it, right? I get why somebody would reject this. It's not personal. So, but what I'm saying is that what we're doing, right? What we had to do is we had to kind of find new avenues for making the show, like what to support the show, right? And for continuing it. And sort of like in the, in the mixture, right? We'll obviously have like notable or like popular or famous guests to some extent, right? But sort of within that, right? We have to also have really sort of like quality guests who are just as like sort of valuable as these other people, but they just don't have the following. Either don't have it or don't have it yet. So for us, I mean, the thing was like when it comes to a podcast, the way that we've had to adapt was I think very similar to the way Billy Bean adapted, right? So it's not that like, and this is why I made the mistake of saying his crappy team. It actually wasn't a crappy team, right? So it was only a crappy team from the framework or the standard of old baseball, right? So if you're looking for RBIs and home runs, yeah, it's a crappy team. If you're looking for people who get on base, it's actually a solid team. They won 20 games in a row, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like that erroneous thinking. And sometimes I think what people do is whether, I don't know, with podcasting, with shows or whatever it is, right, they try to kind of initially reach for the stars, right? Where they're like, oh, I want to get like the best, like, you know, the most famous type of person that I can. But the idea is, right, that you can get such great quality for people who don't have the same followers. Yeah, and also trying to shoot for that initially when you just start yeah. is ill-advised, right. right? I mean... Uh, we both came in with that kind of self-awareness, right? And I think that's healthy to think that way. Right. I think somebody could get lucky too. You yeah. never know. Uh, you could have certain connections. Um, we got lucky with getting Napoleon on, for right. example, right? So that's like our advantage or unfair advantage, right? Mm -hmm. um, in some sense, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to play to your advantages because not everyone has an equal hand. But, uh, you know, if you if you play your cards right, mm -hmm. it's very possible to organize something in a, in, in such a way for yourself that produces a, a pleasurable result. Right. Not say pleasurable, but something that you might be seeking. Right. Mm -hmm. So to speak. Yeah. yeah. So, and the idea is, I mean, I think if we should start wrapping up. Yeah. So, wrap up. All right. So, I mean, but the idea is like, so sometimes obviously what happens for us is that we literally have to, or we're kind of in this place, right? Where circumstances for us aren't favorable. Right. So we have pretty much two choices. So you can do a rap pit in the beginning did. Right. And obviously complain and talk about how it's unfair, which is true, by the way, it was unfair. Like, fuck the Yankees. Like, why is it that they get this huge salary cap or well, salary and he and his team does it? Right. He's like, why do I have to work with like a third of the fraction? Like, how is that fair? And it's not right. But you can stay there. Right. And you can stay in that place of like, this is unfair and I have no sort of potential or I have no capability of changing my circumstances or my scenario. Or you could literally, as Bruce Lee once said, be like water. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. All right. I guess let's end it there. Okay. If you guys want to follow us, follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Yep. Uh, like us, subscribe on bell. YouTube. <laughs> hit the bell yep. and yeah uh, also go on o4l yes and you can you guys can find us at the o4l online network under the stm podcast section up top on the website and let's see of course thanks for watching however uh there is one more oh, we did, we'd uh, like to, so, to share <laughs> okay um so are you stressed that you it's hard for me because i have to look back okay so are you stressed that you can't leave the house to keep up with the routine fighting with chronic conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, having trouble coming up with healthy ways to feed the family, or simply need that support system set up to keep your goals a reality. Vera with Verified Nutrition offers a 15-minute consultation on her website at V-E-R-A-F-I-E-D-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com. 
You can read more about her journey. You can read about her experiences, send her a message, check out our blog page and the services that she offers and make your choice to get verified. verified. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching. See you guys next time and look forward to the next